Hey everyone, you're listening to Little Bit of Life Podcast with Little. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and the occasional ridiculous chats about everything that we seem to think but don't say. Very little is off limits. Sit back, enjoy, and let's get started. Today's episode is sponsored by The Candle Company, LLC, one of the best and most clean candles you can find using a proprietary paraffin blend wax, premium oils made from scratch with the most natural fragrances, specifically formulated for people with allergies and asthma. Make sure you check them out on Candles Company, LLC, and use the code LITTLEBIT10 for 10% off. Hey guys, and welcome into another episode of Little Bit of Life Podcast with Little. Today's episode, I have such an amazing guest with me. She is encompassing what a woman is supposed to be, standing on your own, standing up for yourself, having an opinion. Yes, us women, we have opinions. Can you believe it? And finding what life is supposed to be like for yourself and for your happiness. And today we're talking about everything in regards to divorce, life after divorce, finding your happy and what happiness means. And the most commonly reported major contributor to divorce right now is the lack of commitment, infidelity, and conflict or arguing. The most common final straw, as they say, are infidelity, domestic violence, substance abuse, and everything in between. And more participants actually blame their partners than blaming themselves for a divorce. So today we have Lacey on with us. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I have seen so many of your TikTok videos pop up on my For You page and going viral. And I have to say, when we think of what a woman is supposed to present to the world, like you are the epitome of you can be strong and beautiful, but still have a voice and an opinion and stand up for yourself. So thank you for being vulnerable on social media of all places and sharing your story and coming on to share it with us today. Absolutely. I think it's so important to, um, I stayed silent for so long about so many things and even my views about things going on in life. And I just realized that it's so important to be able to speak, be who you are and speak that because that's when you find your people and you find yourself Mm -hmm. when you can be open about it. So, Mm -hmm. so give our listeners a little bit of background. Um, Obviously, we're talking about divorce and we're talking about finding that happy. So what's your story? Give us a little bit of background. Absolutely. So um, I I got married. I was probably about 11 years ago. So we were married almost 11 years, probably knew each other for about 12. And y'all, I was, I was young. I was like 20, I say young, but 23, 24. Um, and I, and for the sake of being vulnerable, Y'all can ask, you know, you can ask me anything and we'll talk about anything and everything. But, um, you know, I really always strived just to be liked. I just wanted to be liked and I just wanted to be loved. And I feel like a lot of people want that from things in childhood. You just really want that. And so when I was in college, I truly felt like pursuing men who weren't uh, committed or interested except for only in one thing and they only wanted sex or other things. That's all they wanted. And I felt like, okay, well, if I give them those things, it'll make them love me. So it led to a lot of unhealthy relationships in college and a lot of, um, bad situations. And so, um, my ex was the first man that I met out of college and he was truly the first man who treated me kind. And he returned my phone call and he actually returned my text message. And so, um, he was the first person who showed me that, um, men can be good 
And I will always forever be grateful for that. Um, but that's kind of where my story started. You know, we were, we were young and I, and I'm right now I'm 35. So I'll be 36 next month or in August. And so I kind of look at my life now versus then. And, you know, I feel like when we're so young, we don't truly know who we are, let alone what we want. Like, how do we know what we want if we don't know who we are? Mm-hmm. How do we know what we like if we don't know who we are? We're so, we're just like so in that moment of discovering us outside of college and getting into career field and all of those things. But at that point in time, all my friends were getting married. We were all doing the thing and he was treating me nice. And I, I did have love for him. Absolutely. What I realized, um, it wasn't until actually later on in our marriage, how many unhealthy habits there were in our marriage that I thought were normal. I thought were normal. And I actually saw this the other day, people saying like, why do you think the older generation, they marriages last so long? And everyone's like, Oh, because they didn't have social media. And while I do think that stuff is true, I do really, truly think part of my story, and this is going to kind of tie into that, is that I was just under this mindset of like, you just don't leave a marriage. Mm -hmm. You don't leave a marriage. You don't do it. And that is like why people think they stay in marriages. Um, And that's where I was. And like, I was happy, but I didn't know I wasn't fully happy. Um... I kind of refer to marriages and relationships like buckets. You have all these buckets that you need filled. You have your um, intimacy bucket, your compatibility bucket. You have, you know, your communication bucket, all these buckets, right? And if one is not filled, it doesn't work. They Mm -hmm. all have to be filled for this work. You have to even think about if they were on like a a teeter-totter, right? If one's not filled, it's going to collapse. Like you have to have them all filled. And I did not know that. So I pretty much was under this impression, well, my marriage is good, but it's not great. So I'm just not going to say anything. And I'm just, this is normal. This is normal. And I feel like a lot of women, a lot of women do this now. They think it's so normal to be in a marriage where fighting is normal and, oh yeah, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to hate your partner. There's going to be days where you just don't even want to look at him. And I just don't find that normal anymore Mm -hmm. um, after what I went through. So I would say after Thinking those things and telling myself I was no- what I was going through was normal, I realized eventually as I got older and found myself in my career and got very mentally healthy that it was not normal. Um, my ex had a lot of issues from childhood that he truly never healed um, that affected our relationship a lot. It really, truly did. And um, I really encouraged him to do that. I encouraged him to go to therapy. And most men do not do that. They don't want to. They don't believe that that's a thing they want to do. And so he didn't go to therapy um, for a very long time. And I went by myself for about five years. And I realized through this process, all of these unhealthy habits of uh, my partner's um, self-deprecating all the time, constantly talking bad about himself, not um, healing his own childhood, how much it truly affected a relationship whenever one of those people in that relationship aren't healed. And they don't, I don't say fix themselves, but it's true because we want a partner, not a project. We cannot Mm -hmm. fix somebody else. They have to want to do that. And so I truly realize, okay, this is this isn't normal. And I will say I spent years, years telling myself 
that things that should be important in a relationship weren't a big deal. Like, okay, Lacey, sex and intimacy, you don't really have that in your relationship, but that's not a big deal. It's all right. You know, he brings you flowers every week. He makes you coffee. Like, you know, in general, he's a good husband. So why are you complaining? He would never look at another woman. Like, why are you complaining? You know, but it's so much more than that. When you're not in love with that person, it's not real. It, it's not real. It's, it's, it's a roommate. It's, it's very, very, very discouraging. And mm-hmm. it almost leads to a toxic relationship because your relationship isn't fulfilled. And so it floods out in other ways. And that's where I was. I didn't have those things. And I realized after years of telling myself, you, I said, I literally would say, if people on the outside looked at your looked at my marriage, they would think I'm stupid for leaving. They would think I'm stupid for leaving. But I knew that the conversations weren't healthy, that he was not mentally healthy. I knew that we had no intimacy in our relationship and that I was never going to be able to be fulfilled in that. And it took a lot of, it was, I was in a lot of denial for a long time. It takes your head and your head and your heart a long time to catch up to each other. And that's kind of how I ended up at divorce two years ago was, um, me finally pulling the trigger after being unhappy for about five years and saying, I'm not in love. And I'm accepting that, that we're not good together and we're not each other's person. And, um, it took a lot to get there. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll say that it took a lot to get there. I I think it's interesting that you mentioned um, from the outside, people would think like, you're stupid. Like, why are you doing this? Because like you said, the little things of, well, he does this for me. He does this for me. But there's always a but that's in there. And if there's something missing, um, I just actually had a conversation with one of my really good girlfriends last night. And I explained to her, in this society, in this day and age, our generation, these men have so much childhood issues that they have been raised as a man, just bury it, just don't talk about it, don't discuss it. But it leads into the relationships to where now as women, we are becoming stronger and we're becoming almost individualized as like, you know what, I'm allowed as, I hate this word, but it's used. Oh, well, you're selfish. If you have this, this, and this, but you don't have this, you're being selfish. No relationship is perfect. You're not always going to have everything. And I told one of my best friends last night, I told her, I said, we're at this point as women that you have to ask yourself in the relationship, are you a partner or are you a parent? Because we're doing these things for men that we are taking on this motherly parental role of, okay, well, you don't do this, but you do this. So I'm going to reward this while still almost removing my wants, my needs, my desires and things that I have to have. So when you did get to that point where you were ready to get divorced, were you worried about, or maybe you got it, I don't know, from outside perspective of the judgment or even like family, because when you're married, you have such a huge family on both sides. Did you have people that considered you selfish or like questioned you or anything like that? Oh, girl. Um, I don't think I was even prepared for the amount of the, the amount of feedback that I didn't get to be honest like that's on this it it was actually very negative but it was feedback that was not getting more so being written off by people um I will tell you the reason I did not pull the trigger earlier was because I was terrified of the next step 
of what people would think, what I would do, where I would go. It was like the thought of all of that was so overwhelming. It was easier to stay not happy than it was to move on and to make that decision for myself. And when I made that decision, so many people took it upon themselves to make up narratives of their own, to assume things, um, because we didn't put it on social media that we were separated. We separated in fall of 2020, and like we didn't need to do that because it's personal business. And so we didn't really tell anybody. We didn't post a lot or anything like that. And so um, we, um, I came back home um, in, and I, we were we had lived in the same house, separated for about six months because um, we were waiting for our kiddo to get out of school, and I was moving in with my mom at the end of school because I had to be the one to get Jake from school because I'm an entrepreneur and he was working. And so um, we had a lot of ups and downs during that time. And it was hard living with each other, knowing the separation was going on and we were going through all of these things. But people did not know what we were going through. So I just want to encourage anybody listening, never assume you know what people are going through. And just if you know somebody going through a divorce, support them both because mm-hmm. you have no idea. I lost someone who was like a second mom to me and I still get very emotional about it. Um, and family of 10 years, just completely out of nowhere. Stop, stop talking to me. Never once called to see if I was okay. Never once checked to see how I was doing. Um, assumed that I, because I made this decision that I was a horrible person and that I did horrible things. I mean, even when I decided to I was separated when I made the choice, when I didn't even plan on moving on to another relationship. I was not ready. I did not think I wanted to meet anybody. And um, my now boyfriend I met during my separation, um, very randomly. It was not on purpose. It was so, I just say God driven because I did not know that I needed him at the time. And, um, he came into my life when I was not expecting it. He had just got out of a relationship. He was not expecting anything. It just kind of happened. And so I look back on that and the amount of people who assumed that I cheated with this man, even it just the, these stories that were made up were people who just don't have any accurate information. Um, mm-hmm. You'd be surprised. Never, ne- actually never be surprised what people will think in a divorce because what I thought was going to go smooth did not go smooth um, at all. So I lost family. I lost friends. Um, he became friends with some of my best friends who were in my wedding. And um, it it was so much confusion on my end of why people, why are people not reaching out to me just because you're the one that makes a decision. I want people to hear this just because you are the one who pulls the trigger of making and makes that decision does not mean you do not feel guilt and shame and grief and sadness. You are still grieving the loss of a life divorce is like the loss, a loss of a life that you had. And you're still allowed to feel those emotions and feelings, even if you're the one making the decision. It doesn't make it less hard. Mm -hmm. So don't assume people are bad. That's what I will say. So it did, it did greatly affect my relationships and my divorce. And it's taken me a long time to come to terms with that. I mean, I'm two years out and I still have moments, still have moments of that. So in that scenario and you almost get in this, you know, fight defensive mode. Um, 
I'm I'm pretty sassy, so I'm the kind of person that if if somebody is wronging me, and I'm I'm learning, I'm going to be 37 in September, so I'm learning. If I hear something and somebody I feel is attacking my character, especially in you know a breakup or like a divorce or anything, you have this fight mode of I have to defend myself. I have to have the last word. I have to make sure people know my side and how I feel and why I came to this decision. Did you have that or did you find like maybe for listeners, is it better to just focus on yourself versus having to defend your decision? I will say I did that for quite a while. I felt like I constantly needed to defend who I was and my character and decisions I made that just because I decided to move on with my life and people assume things did not mean I had done those things. And I also think it takes two people in a marriage to get to a point. And we both did thing like things wrong. We both did. He did things wrong. I did things wrong. And I admitted to things I did. He did as well. And I think that that's important to know. It takes two people to get to that point. Obviously, there's certain scenarios as far as infidelity where maybe it doesn't. But it takes two mm-hmm. people to get to this point most of the time in that situation. And so... um when people didn't see that and people just thought it was me. And I will say there's a lot more to that story. If you want me to go in depth to like after that divorce, I'm finding out so many things. I have a TikTok kind of about this, like literally finding out he had a brain tumor after this happened and the amount of guilt that I felt and people thinking I was leaving him in his time of need. There was a, um, um, almost a suicide attempt, leaving our child in the home, things I can go in depth on if you want me to. Um, but a lot of those things I didn't publicly put out there um, because it wasn't my place to do that. And I didn't want to. And I still felt that defensive mode of y'all have no idea of what I've been through and how I feel and no one cares how I feel. So I'm just going to defend, 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 defend. But what I will tell listeners is, Sometimes the only closure you need is the closing of that chapter. You don't need permission to have closure. You don't need permission from somebody else. You don't need anybody but your own permission to say, I have closure because the closure is me. I'm closing this. And we leave it to other people so many times, but we don't need to do that. That's not theirs to give us. It's ours to give ourselves. I like that, especially because I feel even in relationships or anything, we strive on getting that closure. And sometimes we do more damage to ourselves by waiting it out to get that closure when most often it's never going to come. Or if the closure they give you may not be the closure that you're accepting or you think is enough. It's always you're constantly putting yourself back into that motion of, I need this from you. But like you said, really, you find it in yourself. Having closure from or needing closure from other people is having expectations of other people. And you can't do that. When Mm -hmm. you have expectations of other people, you're allowing yourself to get hurt. You're allowing yourself to feel things um, that other people are doing. And one of my favorite things I tell my clients is my good feeling is not dependent on your behavior. And when you're allowing them to be responsible for your closure, you're putting your good feeling in their hands and you can't do that. Mm -hmm. I think it's giving yourself the grace that you know you gave everything that you had and you're comfortable with the decisions that you've made. So when it comes to that time, it's okay to strap up and move on. It's okay to be nervous Mm -hmm. and scared. Like you said, you were 
you are so scared about what comes next. And I think that's why so many people stay in toxic and toxic doesn't just mean um, abuse or, you know, substance abuse. I mean, it can be mental. It can be you just like what you said in the beginning, you're not getting everything you need fulfilled. Mm. And I think in this, Mm -hmm. in this generation, we're in this time where we're talking about self-love and we're talking about loving yourself and making yourself happy, but there's that boundary of expectations. I mean, I was in a, I was in a long relationship, long distance, and everyone would say, well, he, you know, this isn't working, but you get this because we are constantly comparing our relationships with others versus just sitting and looking at what we have and what we need for ourselves. And I think with social media, I really respect that you didn't put it out there because especially now it can be very damaging of what you share because once it's out there, you're getting the opinions of others and then you're almost getting more pressure on yourself of, okay, did I make the right decision? Did I make the wrong decision? When at the end of the day, it's, it's in you to make the choice that's best for you. Mm -hmm. And I like, and I think it's really, really important. Um, the part that you said about toxic, uh, you said it doesn't always have to be, um, something drastic to be considered Mm -hmm. toxic. Like the amount of women I hear say that to me is mind blowing. Like the amount of women who will say things like, well, he didn't hit me or Mm -hmm. like he's not doing this or that. So it's not that bad. I'm like, it is bad. If there is, if there, if it is not a healthy and I, and I really truly know now what healthy versus unhealthy love looks like. And Whenever you are at a point in your relationship where you're not even communicating correctly, that is not healthy. It is not healthy. It is toxic. It is toxic to your relationship when you cannot communicate healthy. When one person is controlling because of their own insecurities and puts their own insecurities onto you and there's manipulation and there's gaslighting and making you feel bad and narcissistic traits, that is toxic. It doesn't need to be, oh, he hit me to be toxic. Verbal Mm -hmm. abuse and feeling controlled, manipulated, or being made to feel bad for your own thoughts and feelings is still toxic. Mm -hmm. That's why you got to give yourself grace in these situations because you don't know what you don't know when you don't know it. Mm -hmm. I think the hardest point to get to is that feeling where you just can't, you just can't take it anymore. You've, you've done all you can. You're tired in every aspect of every way and you've done it all. And then it's finally getting the nerve and getting all the courage of, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Because a lot of friends that I know that have been divorced, they're like, I was ready, but then they pulled me back or they said they would change. And then we go into this repeat cycle of you're good for a week or two weeks, or even with us. I mean, we're all guilty of there's two people in a relationship. So it's, if you do this, then I'll change this. And if you change this, then I will love you more for this. So it's this compromise. And then we just go into the same routine. So especially because you said with your clients for those listeners, she is a life coach. Um, what do you, what advice do you give to people that are like, okay, but he'll change. And there's this constant waiting cycle of going back and then just repeating itself. So I love this question. I work with quite a few women going through a divorce or separation and things like that. Um, And I get this question a lot. So I did that for five years. For five years, literally for five years, I went back and forth 
on doing it. And in fall of 2020, I actually left my house and moved in with my mom temporarily. Two hours away at 35 years old, 34 years old at the time. Um, I'm like, I'm 34 years old living in my mother's basement. Y'all, it ain't pretty. I'm just going to point this out. It's not a pretty thing. Um, And it's not supposed to be. That's why it's called a transition, by the way. It's not going to be pretty and, um, you know, all butterflies and rainbows. That's not how this works. Um, For anyone thinking that, I'm sure people don't. But I will say, whenever I I would spend all this time, um, oh, like, I need to give it a chance. So, also, I asked for a separation um, two weeks before COVID, before COVID, and we were on lockdown together. We did not know we were going to get locked down. So I asked for separation, and then we were locked down in the house together. And I made the decision when that happened, you know what? If I'm going to be locked in the house here and can't go anywhere, maybe I should give this, you know, one more good old-fashioned try and put all my energy into this just to make sure this is the right decision. And guess what? Four months later, it was still the right decision. It was still the right decision. I was still not feeling the intimate emotional connection that I needed for me at all. Um, And I, uh, to be honest, after um, going to therapy, I realized I think I've always loved him, but I was not, I'd never been in love with him. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing. And that's why that connection was never there. I just never put two and two together and realized it. And so, um, but I wanted to keep trying and I wanted to go back and give it a try and keep going and see if I could fix it. And then when that, um, I got the call and then the whole um, attempt where he was going to do a suicide attempt and was thinking about taking his life with leaving our kid alone. That was kind of the last straw for me at that point. I just could not take that anymore. Um, and so, for any woman thinking like they're going to change, they're going to change. They can go back and do this. You can go back and do this. I'm a very strong believer. People can change, but that still doesn't make them change to be the person you want them to be. It, they can change. They can be a better person. My ex did. He went to therapy after that suicide, that he was going to have the suicide sense. He went to therapy. He got help. He had conversations with family members. He thought he would never have, like he got better. But at the end of the day, it did not change that lack of emotional and intimate and in love connection that two people need to make a relationship work. It did not change that. So I think it's important to remember you can wish them to change and you can wish them to be better, but they're still going to be the same person deep down Mm -hmm. who they are. They're the same person. Maybe their actions are better and the behaviors are better, but is that ever going to truly make for a healthy relationship if you're wondering when the ball is going to drop again? Because I believe that that goes back to two people being compatible for each other. Mm-hmm. And if you're having that many issues, you are not compatible for each other. I know this, again, I know this now that I know what healthy love looks like, but I did not know that then. So if you are in this stage of, I want to go back, I want to give him a chance, I want to change. I'm not telling you not to fight for something. I just did a TikTok on this. But I'm a little bit different than the other older generation, I don't believe, I believe there's a difference between you having disagreements and having misunderstandings. But if there are basic fundamental things about your relationship that aren't changing, um, I don't believe that you need to be fighting and fighting. And if you, if it's something you have to fight and fight for, I don't believe it's real. It should be easy. If it is real love, it should be easy. And you shouldn't have to question whether you go back to it or not. And I think it's important to discuss 
you stated, you know, that form of intimacy and, you know, sex with each other that wasn't there. I talked to so many men and the person that I recently was in a relationship with, I tried to explain to a man as a woman that intimacy is not just sex and you need more than just sex is like talking another language to a wall sometimes because they don't Mm -hmm. understand like intimacy is important for women. And when we feel that form of safe intimacy, our effort level goes up because we have to feel that we are, we matter, that we are safe, that we're important. And I had this conversation in which, well, I need to feel as a man that you desire me in order to put that effort in. So you're constantly clashing because you're meeting in the middle of a woman's sense of intimacy is the emotional aspect and how we feel. And for most, not all, but for most men, it's that sexual aspect. And that's where kind of communication comes into. And I have so many friends that are like, well, we're married. So because we're married, we don't have sex anymore. That that level of romance is out the window. And so oh. being a life coach, like how do you hear this a lot? I mean, I'm sure from your reaction, you've heard oh. this. So And that's the part that that's so not healthy and it's not something that you should have to force the fit or beg for. It just needs to be communicated and then worked through. But like you said, if it's not there, it's, it's not there. Yeah. I think for a majority of people, it's not there, but they want to believe they should have to work for it. And that's not right. Mm-hmm. This is, again, this is my opinion. This is take it for what it's worth. I just did a big, long TikTok uh, stitch to this girl who said she was outside um, drinking wine because her husband went, she's like, my husband um, gave me some wine, told me to go out and enjoy the sunset while he gave the kids a bath. Someone must be horny. And I'm like, is this what, is this, is this real? Is this what mm-hmm. we think? Like you have to do something in order to get that from your partner. The amount of comments on her video even from men saying oh well we're married that just doesn't happen anymore like um my mm-hmm. wife does not you know give me oral anymore we do not have intimate sex anymore like that and like unless I ask like I'm reading this and almost got mad at some women about it because I don't think they know or understand and I and I don't want women to um come at me about the whole wall having kids no we had a kid we had a baby I went through infertility. I have had surgeries. I have been 50 pounds heavier than I am now in a relationship, in a marriage, and it did not make a difference. It did not make Mm -hmm. a difference. Um, I think love languages are important, and you do need to know that, but I, the amount of people I find that think this is normal in a marriage, I... I kind of label it like this. So your relationships have... Um, you have your list. Okay. You'll say you have your 10 things you want in a partner. Everyone's lists are going to look different about what they need in a relationship, but the top two that make your relationship work the most are intimacy and communication. The Mm -hmm. top two. And here's the thing about intimacy. People can say it doesn't matter, but if you do not stay attracted to your partner, and you do not want to be intimate with your partner, your relationship will fail. It will not last. It it, it will not. And people who say, well, the relationship isn't all, relationships and marriage aren't all about sex. No, they're not, but it's a very big part of it because if you don't have that, you lose who you are as a couple. Your connection is gone. You don't have that emotional connection and you probably didn't have it to begin in the first place because in that first year we have what's called the love hormone where you're just so attracted to that person you want to sleep with them all the time and touch them all the time it's what you want 
But when that wears off, that's why they call it the honeymoon phase, which I do not believe in. I believe if you are with someone who is dedicated to making you feel loved and wanted every day, Mm -hmm. that honeymoon phase does not go away. And I am living proof of seeing that now going from the relationship I was in to the relationship I'm in now. I'm wanting to be with my partner all the time. We're a year and a half in come uh, December, January will be two years almost like from knowing each other. Um, and it's still there. I want that all the time because it's with him. He makes me feel that way. He makes me feel wanted all the time. And that's what healthy relationships have healthy intimacy. And just saying like, well, I'm in a marriage, so that's out the window. I don't have that anymore. Or, or like, I can't expect that. Or, for men listening, trying to explain women, uh, we were saying women are emotional and men are, men want to feel desired. Our intimacy, our intimacy starts in our conversations. If you're not Mm -hmm. making us feel loved and wanted, we're not going to feel loved and wanted. We're not going to, it's not that we don't desire you, but we don't feel a need to show that because we don't even feel it ourselves. And men don't deal with the things women do. I truly believe this as far as our social media and what we have to do to feel good about our bodies and everything. When men, men have that, but not to the extent women do. And so we need more intellectual and emotional support and safety to give you that you make a woman feel safe. She will always want to have sex with you. Yep. Always. And with the social media talking about men versus women, I always say that Men present themselves on social media. Women have to represent themselves. Completely different. Men show up and they are looked at. I mean, it's just the way the world works. I mean, they, we look at how they look and how what they have. So they present themselves to the world. As women, we represent ourselves. We have to stand up for ourselves. We have to almost kind of come to terms with this was my past. And yes, everyone has a past. But it's like we're on this defense mechanism all the time. And men just show up. It's... It's how I feel. And especially going on TikTok and being on this, you know, social platform where some women literally, as you know, they share everything. There's nothing off limits. And then there's some women that are very private and have something to say. And the men always are looked at first on their video. And then what are they trying to get across? So they present themselves. So for women that may be going through this right now, or even men listening, and they're going through a divorce, or they're on that verge of like, I don't know what's next. And I'm so scared. Like, how did you feel in that moment when you went to move on to the next chapter of your life? Where did, did you feel guilty? Or did you kind of have those moments where you're like, I'm not worthy of love, or I'm never going to find it? Like, did you kind of have those moments in and out emotionally? Um, I've had a lot of guilt for like a year and a half with my uh, therapist that I talked through because I, towards the end of our separation or towards the end of our marriage, when we started getting separated, I started um, opening up to communicating with other men. Um, And I felt like I was in a place where like, I didn't want to date, but I wanted to, I was just open to having conversations. And um, this is, again, this was like right when we were separating and, um, I was still in the house. So even though I was in the house and we weren't together towards that last month, it still felt like I shouldn't be doing that. Even though we were separate, I was being really hard on myself, really hard on myself. And, um, so I held a lot of guilt. And then when I left and found out he was sick, 
you know, I've had a lot of guilt because I was like, I left him in his time of need, like he needs me. Um, there was a lot of gaslighting things that happened. A lot of, well, this is your fault. You're the reason I'm sick. And so that's really what put some stuff into perspective with me of this, this communication was definitely not healthy. And like, this isn't okay. I need to really evaluate where my guilt is coming from. Like, is he making me feel that way? Or is it how I truly feel? And so um, those feelings are completely normal. When you're, if you were on the verge of it and you're teetering on whether or not this is what your next step, I wanted to say a couple of things. Yes, you're going to have those feelings of guilt and you're going to have feelings of being scared. I just helped a client with this the other day. She was like, I keep, you know, like, getting ready to make this jump. And then I keep, you know, feeling like so scared, like maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't. And what I want to say is your feeling of is fear of the unknown, not fear of making the wrong decision. And that's what it is. Everybody is scared of the unknown. Like it's uncomfortable. Nobody likes being uncomfortable. Was it comfortable for me to make that decision? And as a 34 year old drive two hours with a duffel bag and go sleep in my mom's basement and then I stepdad's hunting room. No, it was not comfortable. I didn't want to do that. Was it comfortable that my kid and I spent our summer with my mom there and he saw his mom living in a basement and he's seven and he's seeing his mom go through this? No, it wasn't comfortable. <laughs> it wasn't. But you know what I did feel on top of all of those things? So much peace and being able to be authentically who I am and not having to hold back who I am and how mm -hmm. I feel and be jumpy all the time about everything that I did. I even did this the other day when I was at uh, Jason's house. He, I was just on my phone in his bedroom or his, his, he was coming out of the bathroom and I jumped and I was like, why did I just do that? Like, what is wrong with me? And you realize these things that you're unlearning and they really, truly, all these feelings come into play and you realize a lot about yourself. So you're going to feel guilt. You're going to feel uncomfortable and it's going to be hard. Don't ever think this is going to be easy. I thought it was going to be pretty smooth. And for the most part, it actually was minus the backlash. Um, the general part of that was easy, but I truly believe that you have to get through that to get to the other side. And when you're on the other side, the amount of peace and happiness you will feel knowing you made the right decision, not just for you, but for your partner. They deserve somebody who can give them what they need. And you deserve somebody who can give you what you need. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you will feel better. I like hearing that. Especially talking about change when you're like, well, they'll change, but it's still not the person that I need or the person that is good for me. I always hear motivational speakers and, you know, relationship coaches and stuff, they always say it's okay to accept that they have changed, but they are changing for the next person. They are not changing for you. Yes. I, one of the most powerful TikToks I have, I've found and I've shared it. I'll keep sharing it and sharing it was this girl. And I thought I was, it was like listening to myself that this is what she went through. She said in her marriage, she always felt like she was too much. And he always felt like he was not enough. She tried and tried and tried. She was this, or and she felt like she was too much because of who she was and her personality and wanting a passion and an intimate connection and needing that emotional deepness for her. And he felt like he wasn't enough. And so he would try to fix all of these things and all these other arenas, except that one place where it just was never going to work. And ultimately, they spent more time trying to figure out how to love each other than they did actually loving 
and being in love with each other. And it was very powerful to hear that because too many people fight trying to figure out how to love each other when it, again, I don't care what society says. I don't care what people think about the older generation and relationships. It should be easy. You should not have days where you just can't stand your partner. I don't believe that and I never will. I just don't. I think we learn what love is from our upbringing and, you know, how our parents are and grandparents and and role models. But we also learn from, I'm reading a book right now for um, a Christian pastor wrote it and it's really interesting. I'll link it in the bio too. Um, But it talks about how we learn what a relationship is supposed to be versus what we think it should be for us. Like we see it on TV and he's, he was born in the eighties too. So he says like, we learned from, you know, Zach and Kelly on Saved by the Bell, like what we thought love was supposed to be. And then we learn it on social media by these amazing, lavish influencers that are posting like, this is love because we're on a vacation or, and it's seeing social media for what it is. They're posting the good stuff and they're posting the things that make them happy, but it's not encompassing what a whole relationship should be. So we're constantly comparing like, this is what my relationship should be. I'm not getting fulfilled with this, 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 and this, but this person is complaining about this, like in my friend group or circle group or whatever. So I guess I don't have it that bad. And so we're constantly putting ourselves and our feelings and our needs on the back burner to fulfill something that, like you said, it's just not meant to be. And you're not loving that person. You're just, I would say, disrespecting your needs and putting your needs aside. So when you left and made that decision, especially because you're a mother, did you feel self like any form of selfishness? You know, I absolutely did. I felt like, well, I told myself a long time because the intimate and emotional and sexual connection was not there. I told myself that I was selfish. I said, that's a selfish reason Mm -hmm. to leave a relationship. How dare you want to leave a relationship just because that part isn't really being met. Like everything else is, I mean, it wasn't great. I look back now and it was, it wasn't great, but it was good. It was a pretty good marriage, but Mm -hmm. I was really felt selfish. And, um, one thing that snapped me out of that feeling, um, two things. One, my therapist said, if people realized that being unhappy was a good enough reason to leave a marriage, more people would be happy. She, too many people believe something drastic has to happen for you to want a divorce. Something drastic needs to happen. Someone needs to be an alcoholic. Someone needs to cheat. Someone needs to do drugs. Something really bad needs to happen to do that, be abused, whatever that may be. She's like, but people need to realize that being unhappy is a good enough reason to leave. There's nothing wrong with that. Your happiness is the number one priority and who you are and what you put out into the world. Like what you are gets all over people. So if you are not happy, it's a big freaking deal. But we just put it to the side like it's not. Mm -hmm. And we want to think that it's selfish to be happy. So that was very eye-opening to hear that from her. But the other thing was we never fought in front of our kid. We didn't fight a lot in general. But we didn't fight in front of our kid. And one day my kid and I were walking and Jake's seven. And uh, he just said, Mom, I'm so glad that you don't quarrel anymore. And I said, what What word is that? Like, what, what, do you, what buddy, what are you talking about? Because he's just like using a big word. He's like, you just, you don't seem like upset or sadder anymore. Like you're so happy. And it was at that moment I was like, a seven-year-old is realizing a difference in his mom's smile and her happiness and just who she is as a person. 
And if he's noticing that, how many other people are noticing that? And the amount of people, I don't have enough fingers and toes for the amount of people who have said, you look so much happier. Like you just, in your face, you just look, you're glowing. Like it's, it's crazy. So we can think that it's selfish, but I promise you there's nothing wrong with being selfish. It's actually necessary for you to be the best you and to be the best version of you because if you're not selfish, you're living for other people and you have to start with you first. So moving ahead for those that are listening, how do you, and this is such a generic and vague question, but I feel like it can, from anyone, it could be answered by you. How do you find you're happy? That's a really good question. I don't think you can find you're happy without finding yourself. And I think it takes a lot of silence. It takes a lot of sitting with yourself. It takes a lot of acknowledging things that maybe you don't want to acknowledge because the biggest thing I tell my people I work with is you cannot accept what you don't acknowledge. You just can't. It's like, how do you expect to fix something when you're pretending it's not there? It just doesn't work. And so finding your happiness is really, one is figuring out who what, who you are, what makes you happy. And that also means finding out what makes you feel ick, what makes you feel icky. And for me, that was feeling like I couldn't be myself. I felt like I was constantly not able to be myself. I love social media. I love taking selfies. I love being outgoing. I talk. I love those things. And my ex was not those things. He was very quiet person. And so Part of my happiness is being able to be who I am authentically and not caring at all what people think. And I did not realize that made me so happy until I sat with myself and realized what was holding me back. What did I feel? I felt like I couldn't take a picture without being jumpy if you walked in the room because I was being judged. Things like that. I couldn't be me. I couldn't have adult conversations about about sex without getting judged with my own partner. And that was hard for me too, because I'm like, no, I want to be able to talk about these things. So you have to really find out who you are, acknowledge who you are and what you've been through. The importance of acknowledging what you've been through. I can't say that enough. And you will find what makes you happy. What truly fulfills you, one of the most powerful things I ever did, and hopefully the listeners will do this, is get a piece of paper and actually write a list of what you want in a partner and then write a paragraph about what that would look like. And I manifested my dream partner and my healthy love I have right now because I acknowledged it. And I did that while I was married. I'm not kidding. Like my therapist had me do it and I realized, wow, everything I want to be happy, I don't have right now. I don't have that in a partner right now. That's a big deal. That's a big, big, he checks off some of these things, but not all of them. And that's not good. And so start with yourself and then start with what you want in a relationship. And I think that's where you're going to see that. You're going to really, truly find who you are. And the second part of that is boundaries. You have to know your own boundaries for you and your relationships because your happiness starts with your boundaries and the respect you have for yourself and what you allow and won't allow. From, from any relationship, really, family or as a partner. And I love, we did a, we did a big episode in regards to previous, um, in the month of 
of May for mental health awareness. And it was very important. Um, I did have a two-part series. It was a male and a female aspect point of view for dating after divorce and what life looks like after divorce. And it was really interesting to hear the two different um, viewpoints. And the one thing that we always talked about was therapy. And for men, like you stated, for men to go to therapy is almost unheard of. Um, for women, it's more of a socially acceptable thing. Talk about your feelings, go through, go through the hard work. And hearing that you went to therapy and now that you are a life coach for those listening, what is the difference between a therapist and a life coach? What do you, what do you do or what expectations do you have for people for their lives as a life coach? So what I found and what I used to teach in therapy and group therapy years ago, um, I love therapy. Therapy is very um, symptom-based. It's very feelings-based. It's, it's we're going to talk through this. We're going to talk about how you're feeling and we're going to acknowledge. It's almost in the acknowledge and acceptance stage of what you're doing. And mm-hmm. we're in life coaching. We do touch on that because it is important because I need to know what it is we are working through. It is very skill-based and moving forward-based and very, let's take action on these steps. So I have a client right now, um, I'll keep it kind of vague because due to, you know, HIPAA, um, I have a client right now that is going through a divorce uh, or she's getting ready to ask for a divorce. And so one of the biggest things is a therapist would never like guide her on what to do. They would just Mm -hmm. listen to her talk through it. I actually guide her on, Hey, do you have safety measures in place for when this is being delivered? Do you know what your next step is as far as, um, housing and where you're going to go and what that's going to look like and what her emotions are going through this process and the emotions of, again, going back and forth and wanting to go back and really figuring those things out. So, and then I had another client who we were really working on her self-worth because she felt like she lost her identity in motherhood and all of these things. And so the action steps are, Hey, I'm going to give you things that I want you to do between now and our next appointment for you. And we're going to really break this down because I think you need to have action and skills and that communication to move forward. And to me, that's what life coaching is about. It's all encompassing and helping me, me helping you figure out what steps we're going to take versus Mm -hmm. just talking about our feelings. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's important because I feel like when you go through a divorce, like you said, it is a loss of a life and it is almost like grieving a death. And so when those types of feelings are worked through, so to speak, and then you get to the next chapter, it's like, okay, well now I'm out, but now what do I do? And you almost feel like you're alone and you have to just figure it out. So it sounds like you help people with actions every step of the way through each individual transition of like what's coming next. Yes. And that's really, really important because most people just need to know what that next step is or just need support through that step, whatever Mm -hmm. that may be. And that's important, especially like some of my clients, I'm the only person they have to talk to. And I'm a lot cheaper than therapy because therapy, unfortunately, (laughs) is very expensive and mental health. um, Unfortunately, it's incredibly expensive when you don't have health care that provides for that. I completely agree. Well, thank you, Lacey, so much for spending this time with us and for all of the listeners. I hope you got something out of this episode. I will be posting all of her information in the bio, such as her TikTok, her Instagram, how you can reach her to schedule a life coach 
appointment because who does not need a life coach in their life? I mean, come on now. I will also be linking that Christian relationship book as well. And I hope you guys enjoy and we will definitely have Lacey and her partner back for a second episode. So make sure you tune in. Thank you so much for tuning in with me and spending your time hanging out. Hopefully you enjoyed today's podcast and a special thank you to all our sponsors. Make sure to check them out. If you have any tips or topics, feel free to email me at littlebitoflifecast at gmail.com or you can also reach out to me on Instagram at littlecute1az. You never know if your topic will be next. Be sure to join me again for another episode of Little Bit of Life. Until next time, stay positive, stay blessed.